Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Shared Ireland podcast. So, our guest today was recently on The View with Mark Carruthers. Not as a guest, not as a politician and not, would you believe it, as a political commentator. No, his sketch was used to play out the show. Um, And in case anyone missed it, we will insert a little clip of it here just to refresh your memory. On the day that a new constitutional committee was set up in Downing Street to oversee relationships across the UK, have a look at court comedian Tag Hickey's take on it all. From all of us, thanks for watching. Night-night. So yeah, look, uh, you know, I just think the house is really, really cramped. Um, I've been wanting to live alone for ages. Um, he's moving out soon anyway. And I suppose with all that in mind, it might just be time for you to, you know, move on. And sorry, weren't you saying, yeah, I'd be happy to have you in my place. There's a room on the top floor, be perfect for you. Like, thank you. But, um, you know, we've always lived together. Uh, we kind of always will live together. So, yeah, just kind of happy out with the lads, really. So, final recap. Never wanted you. Heading off soon anyway, supposedly. Willing to take you in, in spite of the fact that you despise him and everything he stands for, thus gaining you access to his really cool place, which I don't miss at all. Look, I can see what you're trying to do here, and it's really noble and all that, but where you guys go, I go. Doesn't anyone care what I think? Shh. I might leave someday, you know? So, it gives Shared Ireland great pleasure to introduce Tag. How are you doing, Tag? How's it going? The, ar- the artist currently known as Tag. The artist currently <laughs> known as Tag. Is, is, is this all that you're going to be um, known for now? You're only going by the one word, yes? Well, this, well, this is it. Like, as you're saying, like, all the great artists seem to have just one name, you know? So, I'm, I'm happy to lose Hickey if, if I can kind of consolidate the Tag thing around the world. Because there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition on the rugby team. There's a couple of good Tags. <laughs> Not around, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're trying to corner the market in the tag industry, exactly. Yeah, but I'm, it's I'm, tag or, or tag, whatever you prefer. Like, yes, I tag, <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> I, I was thinking all, all the famous people in the world are known by one name, like you've got Queen, you've got God, you've got Pele, yeah. So, so yeah, you're Madonna, you're <laughs> I like the way you put the Queen before God. <laughs> I was actually thinking. I was actually thinking of Queen as in the rock group, but anyway. Tag, I just played a clip of your um, Brexit sketch there. Uh, can you yeah. tell me how that came about, and what gave you, I suppose, the inspiration for it? Yeah, totally. Um, well, I did a house share sketch with all the different social media um, formats. So I had like an Instagram, Facebook, and. Uh, or whatever, all the others, Twitter, and it went quite well. And I was like, oh, there's something in this. And because I'm in lockdown, I'm, I'm really just able to use myself. I can use, I can use my, my colleague Dom for some sketches, but often it's, I can just use myself. So I was thinking of other ideas. I've always been really interested in politics and history and loyalism just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm from a different background, I suppose, like I'm, I'm, I'm an Irish Republican. Um, well, I'd like to think that I'm inclusive in that and that, like, you know, I'm open to, really open to kind of the conversations that, like, you've been having on your podcast, for instance, which I'm a big fan of. But I did think rather than having a nasty go at, lo- at loyalism, which is something I wouldn't do anyway, and I don't think it's very progressive, I wondered if there was a way of kind of sending up the absurd position that loyalism finds itself in. Um, and I just thought that, that loyalism at the moment is... It's loyal to something that appears to be breaking up, appears to be coming apart at the seams. And also one wonders whether the loyalty is reasonable or not, because (laughs) they appear to be loyal um, to something that didn't want them to be loyal to it. And I thought I couldn't think of a funnier, absurd position than that. So I'd like to think, and I stand by the sketch, actually, that uh, I portrayed the loyalist character in quite a nice light I feel like everyone has the mickey taken out of them in the sketch um, and to be honest with you the flack that I got from that sketch it, it was it was very rare there was a couple of the what you might call the usual suspects um, 
But I feel that they didn't even really watch the sketch. They just saw that the, one of the characters was called Loyalism. And as soon as they did, it was like, let's get this banned. I think there was loads of complaints to the BBC and stuff. But you know what? I stand by the, I stand by the sketch because I spent an awful lot of time on, on the scripting of it. And I made sure that I didn't go for the usual stereotypes. I know there's a Harry Enfield, famous Harry Enfield sketch of, with the loyalist character where he's shouting and roaring and he's utterly unreasonable. I mean, my guy is totally reasonable. He just finds himself in an almost Beckettian, absurdist situation where he's loyal to something that appears to be falling apart and that never asked him to be loyal to it in the first place. Uh, and I, I can't think of anything funnier than that. You, you mentioned there, Tag, that the, um, you're aware that the BBC got a lot of complaints, but I, I'm sure the BBC, obviously, you know, they're, they're a worldwide organisation, very professional. Um, you know, I'm sure they, they, they had done their research before. T- I'm sure that they thought long and hard about it before putting it on like a prime time show. Did they contact you? I'm assuming they did prior to using it. Oh, yeah. There was, I was in touch with them all day and they were just, they were kind of raving about how how, how good it was. Like, I'm not, I'm not blowing my own no, no. but they said that like, you know, they were just saying that the balance was, was right in it and I, and they didn't feel that it was offensive. And obviously, as you quite rightly point out, if they're willing to broadcast it, they obviously don't feel that it's it's overly divisive or, yeah. or offensive. For, for me, I think satire and comedy, that's exactly what it is. Now, fair enough, there can be a, an undercurrent of a message. But like, let's face it, without a message in anything, well, then it's pointless. And, and you know, as, as you said, you know, I, I think you, you took, took the piss out of everyone equally. Um, yeah. And, you know, if somebody else wants to do their own version, well, then sure, it's a free, it's a free country. We, we can all do what we want. But um, I, I think certain people, um, you know, wake up in the morning looking to be offended. And, and <laughs> um, you know, comedy is comedy. And, you know, anybody that takes it with all due respect to you or any other comics out there, anybody that takes it that seriously, well, then I suppose they need to go and take a serious look at themselves. But hey, ho, that's only my opinion. <laughs> now, having said all that, I was delighted with all the flack because I'm no shrinking violet. And <laughs> as the flack was coming in, I could see the numbers going off. And I was like, okay. But also, I didn't set out to do that, though. So I know I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself now. Like, I didn't, I didn't make a nasty sketch, I don't think, no, no. to try and get numbers. I actually made quite a balanced sketch. And I think it, the reason it got the numbers it did is because it, it obviously touched on something that, that everyone, maybe even inside the, the, the loyalist community, kind of realizes is an issue. I should also say that I had, I don't know how many comments and messages from people from a unionist background. People in the UK, people from a unionist background who'd be maybe a little bit more moderate, um, just finding it very funny, really, like just kind of commending the absurdity of it, and and pointing out that that nationalists find themselves in a in a difficult situation post Brexit as well, and they're spot on. And I would definitely be open to to doing something on that at, at some point because yeah, I mean, like you could argue that there's a similar situation in my jurisdiction, having you could say questionable fidelity or understanding to northern nationalists in the same way that the that the British government like struggles maybe to understand or respect loyalists in, in the same age. So there's definitely a parallel there. Tag, you mentioned your jurisdiction. And again, for the benefit of any of our listeners that maybe just aren't familiar uh, who you are, or where you're from. Um, could you tell us a little bit about you and maybe your early years, um, where you're from, what shaped your thinking? And I suppose ultimately who inspired you to get into satire? Yeah, totally. So um, I'm from Cork. I'm from a kind of a working class background. You're from Cork. Cork. I would never have guessed by the accent. (laughs) I I rarely need to confirm that after (laughs) I open my mouth. But uh, yeah, I'm from as far away from the north as as you can get, really. And uh, I'm from a working class background. I did, I studied arts in college. I did, I have a degree in English and philosophy, but I did history as well. And I've just always been very interested in in history and in politics, but I suppose my I have the kind of soul of a clown. Like my spirit is 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 cl- is clowning. I did lots of straight acting out of college, but I was just kind of fun, trying to find a route into comedy. Really, it's very hard to kind of admit that you want to be a comedian. You almost have to kind of come out as a comedian. I find um, you actually try you know to try and to say to somebody like I I think I'm so funny. You need to sit in a room and listen to me. That was a real process for me. Like it was, I can, it, I can it imagine, I can imagine when you are um, having a talk with your career guidance at secondary school, and they ask you that question. 
absolutely like and and like i did i did quite well in college and even friends and and my yeah like you know my my family and stuff they probably they if they could have chosen although they didn't put any pressure on me to be honest like it, it wasn't one of those things where they wanted me to do something else really that much but they certainly wouldn't have chosen comedy i don't think um but yeah so i was in a sketch comedy group for years called cahoots and we had some success uh we did like a sitcom at rte um and that was right up until my kind of actually right up until the pandemic to be honest but we were kind of finding that we were going separate ways around that time and i was that started to become more and more interested in doing political comedy in that point it was always a passion of mine but in the troupe i found it harder sometimes to to do that because it was three people with ideas and we were trying to find comedy that would satisfy a lot of people and i just decided this year was an an opportunity there was nothing else going on I'll just go out on my own now and I'll do the stuff that I always wanted to do. So then I found a route in the last kind of maybe just in the last few months, to be honest, of of finding some sort of middle ground between the passion for history and politics and philosophy, uh, the comedy, and then making sketches myself because I kind of talk, I'm brutal technically, like I'm the worst man you'd ever, like I can't believe the Zoom is actually happening, to be honest. Um, no, I remember. I, <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say it, buddy. I wasn't going to say it. Look, guys, Full disclosure, we've both been struggling, struggling <laughs> technically today. <laughs> I <right>, big time. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so I taught myself very slowly how to kind of edit. And I'd be one of those types of people that's like, do you know what? I'll just do it myself, leave me alone for three or four days and I'll figure it out. Um, and so in the last year, I've just started kind of focusing on political comedy. And, and I was told when I started getting into it, don't do it. It's too niche. It'll never take off. And actually, it's by far the most successful thing I've ever done. Like, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Well, see an appetite there for it, like, you know. Yeah, certainly. Um, you, you obviously, as you alluded to there, during lockdown, it's kind of what focused you and you had time in your hands mm. and um, you went a uh, kind of new direction, something that's been possibly burning within you. So you've had a lot of success relatively quick online um, through various social media platforms. I'm assuming you have aspirations that um, you'll get a phone call from RTE someday or some other television um, station and ask you to do something on on our telly, yeah? Yeah, who knows? I mean, with the with the sketch group with Cahoots, we made we made two or three online series for RTE and we made a sitcom for them. But the the types of material we were doing back then, it was it was quite apolitical, and I I think RTE they're they're not mad about heavily political stuff. So I keep an open an open door <laughs> and open arms should they get on to me, but um, it's it's not something that I'm expecting anytime soon. Yeah. I'd love though, like with these recent sketches, which is which, which is great, I think to, to throw out to people that like I, I have a sketch on the 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 horrors of the British Empire, for instance, and I have that sketch on loyalism that you refer to, and I have so many new followers from the UK, like you wouldn't believe. Some people who would describe themselves as British, other people who describe themselves as Scottish. There's Welsh nationalists. I don't know how many new Welsh followers I have. I have loads of new Indian followers. But what's great about the UK, though, is there's, I think, a real appetite there for people to do this kind of stuff. They want, a lot of them want the the piss to be taken out of themselves, and a lot of them want to find um, a not-too-difficult means of the history being represented. Now, I'm I'm not a historian. I'm very aware that I'm just a comic. But if I can do my little part of raising like awareness of some of the history, which I think I think for both Britain and Ireland, there's a real problem with coming to terms with our with our own history. And I think that's what actually holds both countries back. And I think that's also so right for comedy. I think in particular, given this past year that we've all unfortunately been living through and struggling through and um, you know, with COVID, that you know, people do look forward to now, I believe. Um, you know, a bit of lightheartedness, and and I suppose you know that's where you come in. You know, we can all uh, click a button and get an instant laugh, whether we agree with it or not. It's still funny. Absolutely, and I that like you touched on there. It's actually something that I was going to say. Like today, for instance, now, like I've just got a good few messages today from people saying that the last thing that I put up, which is totally apolitical, it's a cover of a Kate Bush song. It's just ridiculous. It's just a notion that I got there one day. Uh, it's about kombucha, and I'm after getting more hassle well, from, well, from kombuchans. I must say, you don't you know, have com- a, you don't have the hair for Kate Bush. <laughs> well, you check out that video, buddy, and you will be you'll be surprised. 
But I tell you, the, the loyalists have nothing on the kombuchans because I got a good few complaints from uh, kombuchans. But anyway, but no, all jokes aside, though, getting messages from people, like you just said, saying, oh, I look forward to your videos on Monday. I've tended to put them out on Monday a lot, and they're saying, oh, it just gives me a bit of a boost. Mm -hmm. And you become aware in that moment that, like, you know, this is one of the most difficult periods in humanity. People are struggling all over the, the country, all over the world. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing some, if you're playing some tiny part in giving them a tiny boost, mm -hmm. like, it definitely makes me feel like I've chosen the right career path you know what i mean like so yeah. yeah it's lovely it's the best thing about the job to be honest of course i can only imagine i can only imagine tell me this are there any themes or topics that you personally think tag that comedy and satire shouldn't touch no i think it's all about and i think um i think ricky gervais actually has spoken about this before and he's articulated probably better than i will but it's really about the guy or the girl who's who's at the controls I think you can take an, an uncontentious topic and really offend people if you do it in the wrong way, but you can take a very, very difficult topic and treat it appropriately mm -hmm. and you can find the humor in it. Mm -hmm. Like my, my instinct anyway is to just, if, if I'm in slight doubt of whether I should take something on or not, not, I usually just take it on. Oh, okay. Like, I, I've, you know, got, as a, I've got a rule, if in doubt, leave it out, but you've got the opposite. <laughs> Well, like the next, the next area that I went to after the loyalism area was the origins of the Israel-Palestine conflict, which, yes. would, which would be on paper something that you shouldn't go near at yeah. all at all. But I felt I had something to offer on it because, again, the historical roots of the conflict are just not something that are talked about that much um, at all. And I just felt that rather than take on the, the modern day crisis, which I think is so horrific, I would find it very hard to find any, any, any humorous angle in it at all. Yeah then I would leave it off. But actually the roots of it, I thought there was something fu fu funny about the kind of double dealing um, of the British in that context or whatever. So so I hope it doesn't sound like a cop-out when I say, you know, if if, if it's treated appropriately, I can think of a topic that you can take on. Yeah. But it, it also is like, are you going into it to hurt or are you going in to find a new interesting area that can be funny? Because yeah. I... I, I almost am never going into something to hurt. And, and it actually can, can possibly, you know, educate people and bring awareness to something. And then for a certain section of community, they can actually look into it and research it further after you have highlighted it. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as I was saying earlier, the most positive comments have come from the UK. And mm -hmm. I think that's, that's everything that you need to know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's people in the South, I find there's a phenomenon down here of a kind of a, don't rattle any cages, don't bring up any conflicts between Britain and Ireland. And actually the feedback I'm getting from people in the UK are fair play to you for bringing it up. We didn't know about some of this stuff even, which just blows my mind because like I'm, I'm just gaining knowledge from reading books and watching YouTube links. I mean, it's all there. It's, it's, if you want the knowledge, it's all there. Yeah. They're saying fair play to you. And actually, the, the, main, int the main interest in me now, work-wise, all, all the, the work offers or interest have come from the UK. So I think that tells you everything you need to know, whereas I have had very little interest um, in, in my jurisdiction. Yeah, you know, I haven't had that many. I don't think I've had any newspaper, and I'm not cracking out the violins like should God love us about me at all. I just I, I feel I know why that might be. No, you're and it you're, might you're, be you're, you're just sketches quality. Yeah, you're just giving feedback on 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 how yeah. you find it. Yeah. Well, hey, you'll be getting a call from Netflix and people like that shortly, obviously. No, you're talking. No, you're talking. <laughs> Tell me this. What role, if any, do you see comedy and the arts in general? And in, in, I suppose the campaign for Irish unity and the unity of the people of Ireland, possibly even as well. Well, I'd like to think I've already started to do a little bit in that area, which is if, if we can get people and I, maybe I need to take the piss out of my own, uh, my own community more, my own background a bit more. But I, 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 I honestly think that that would be a good thing, yeah, because you yeah. know we, we all need to um, take a look at ourselves and, and sometimes Definitely. sometimes you know by, by watching somebody like you um, and you know if we watch it and we can say, oh my God of Almighty, he just hit the nail on the head there, but I never mm. actually thought about it in that way before. 
Absolutely. Yeah, like I, I definitely will do something about, again, I suppose I'm going to be brutally honest and say that it, it troubles me a little bit more because it, it's, my, it's my passion and it's my area, I suppose, where, say, for instance, the predicament that, that nationalists find themselves in with successive governments here in the South that kind of largely abandoned them, like, to, you know, their fate in a sectarian, at the time, sectarian state. I'm not going to get into all the history now, but, you know, you know yourself, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I find that, like, a little bit tragic. It's harder for me to see the humour in it. I have that little bit more of a distance to the, the predicament of loyalism. But that's where I maybe need to, to kind of grow then and kind of reach out a little bit in the way that your podcasts are doing so wonderfully, getting that kind of sense from people all around the place. But I do think comedy, to answer your question, it has a means of getting people to laugh about something that would otherwise be unthinkable. Mm-hmm. That you, you know, you can't even go there, you can't discuss it. And suddenly if you get someone laughing, they're willing to go there a little bit, I think, you know? So that's, if there's anything I can do, and like, I'm certainly not trying to take over from your podcast, but I would love to do, <laughs> I'd love to do my own. And I've thrown it out and I've had like lots of nice feedback to go up uh, north and do a comedic kind of take on a little bit of the stuff that you're doing and reach out to maybe some of the people that I've had. I've had people, a bit of war words with people from the loyalist um, community in the last month, but I'd love to to reach out to them and I really mean it. Um, and I will get in touch with them if I can. When well, I go up, would they be interested in having well, a conversation with well, me? Well, like? how, how about this? And uh, we are called the Sharon Ireland Podcasting. Now, we, we picked our title very deliberately, Shared Ireland. I can imagine. So um, how about this? We will extend any um, contacts that we have gained over the past couple of years with you. And, and that will, you know, maybe open a door for you with certain quarters that maybe traditionally wouldn't be there. And um, you could maybe, as you, I think, very kindly said, offer to go up and, um, you know, have a chat and maybe do something serious, maybe do something semi-funny, maybe do something completely funny. Uh, but sure, yeah. that's entirely up to you and them. But um, we, we, any help or assistance, we will certainly um, be more than happy to do so. That would be amazing. And and when I say comedy as well, I'm not saying like I'm going up to take the piss out of anyone. It's like finding the humor in our kind of mutual yes. distance situation. I mean, like what does a what does a lad, a, a comedian from Cork, from a Republican background, um, you know, what has he got to do with like, you know, someone from a loyalist background that, have, that maybe found his sketch offensive? And I'm kind of yet to sit down with somebody um, and I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm yet to sit down with somebody who can point out to me how that sketch was offensive. Like, mm-hmm. what what aspects of loyalism did I disrespect mm-hmm. in that sketch? And if if you know, I I put on record if I sit down with somebody who articulates that I did that in a lazy way or that it was an offensive way, and they can tell me how, I'd be totally willing to learn from that. And that's something that we all need to do. Well, well, again, I obviously can't answer that coming from my perspective either. So I would be um, intent to agree with you. Yeah. And I, I suppose my default position would be, I would go back to why did the BBC feel comfortable playing it? Because, you know, they, they have a legal department. I'm sure um, they were on the phone all day to them. And um, if they felt comfortable enough to put it out, hey, listen, that, that would answer they did, my they, question. They didn't issue any apologies anyway, so I think we could be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you've moved from the subject of Brexit to a global experience with your video of the Second World War. Are, they, mm. are there any other historical events that you plan to bring to life? Um, and maybe our listeners could suggest a few um, underneath this podcast. I'm sure you'd be happy with all ideas. Absolutely. I kind of tend to follow my nose with ideas. Like I do this type of meditation called transcendental meditation. Okay. And David Lynch, the filmmaker, is a big proponent of it. And he, he kind of talks about meditating and kind of finding ideas. And I know this sounds very pretentious, but I tend to just kind of like let stuff kind of come in. I didn't even really have a major plan of doing the loyalism one. And then I was kind of chatting to people online and somebody from a Palestinian background got onto me and I was like, geez, I wonder, is there something in that I could do? And then I ended up doing that. And then the World War II one was suggested by two people at the same time on Twitter. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, literally, the comment came in at the same time. Uh, one is from the UK, one is from an Irish Republican background. Mm-hmm. And 
the, the guy in the UK would be from, you know, a, 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 well, I would say a reasonably pro-British background, but he was like, it's quite amusing the way that nobody talks about the, the Soviets and they lost, you know. So, I mean, that's a good example. I mean, World War II on paper is not a topic for satire, really. Like, it's a horrific conflict with unspeakable brutality mm-hmm. on all sides. And, and, and again, again j- just for the benefit of anyone that hasn't seen that one, we'll just play a little bit. Um, or for off at now tag. Oh, great. Hey, guys, I reckon I played a big part in us winning that fight. Okay, dodgy start, but I hung in there, and then I was like, whoo, whoo, come on, come on, you joking me. You were on your arse before we even started. There's not a mark on you. Look at that. I won that fight, me alone. They were like, we just can't beat this guy. He keeps calm, he carries on, and then he's like, bah, 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 me alone. We did more than our fair share. Uh, were you even there? <laughs> uh, guys, <laughs> look at me. <laughs> I mean, you were gutsy, but you would have been toast if it wasn't for me hopping on towards the end with all my cool new fighting moves and power. Pew, 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 off the top rope. <laughs> Sorry, lads. You wouldn't have a plaster or anything, would you? Anyway, <laughs> that's decided so, yeah? The official line in school tomorrow is, you got a few smacks in at the end, you made a complete wally out of yourself, and I saved the day with little or no help from anyone. Cool? Okay, so moving along. Tell me this, how long does it take to create and finish a sketch? And is it an expensive process? No, it's not. I like I'm lucky enough at the moment I say I think I was saying earlier I have my my really great friend and comedy colleague Dominic McHale is his name. He's in a show called The Young Offenders, if anyone's seen that show, and he was in my sketch comedy group Cahoots with me. Like we're living together, the two of us, we don't have a massive amount of work going on at the moment. Like we're both doing a bit of writing. I'm lucky enough to have a couple of grants to do plays and stuff, but I'm I'm not flat out, so I have the extra time. It makes sense to me to do these sketches because my following is growing and it's I can't do live comedy at the moment, so it's the only outlet. So it doesn't it, it doesn't take that much money cost money. It definitely takes time because I'm taking on sensitive areas of history. Like I, I researched the Israel Palestine sketch for probably about four days, I'd say. Because I'd just be very thorough, you know. I don't I don't want to put anything up where somebody from somebody reasonable is gonna say, Look, man, you've got that totally wrong. Like you're taking on very sensitive areas, so the, the least I can do is do my research. So I might research something three or four days. I'll script it for a day, I'll go away from it, I'll send it to Dom, he'll give me some notes, I'll re-script it, and then we shoot on a day and I'll edit on a night. So it could take it could take four or five days, but but it's well it's well <laughs> just to let you know, listeners, Niall Niall's bulb has gone. It's gone, it is gone. I'm in I'm in the dark here, literally. <laughs> anyway, as as long as we can still hear each other, that's the main thing. Absolutely, man. I'll, I'll throw my I'll throw my light off as well now in solidarity if you want. I I, I can't read my notes. Now. <laughs> I'm not I'll even keep, joking. I, I'll keep I'll just keep waffling, will I? Well, that's that's what you have been doing, Henry, for the past twenty five months. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I got man, I got loads more. <laughs> I got loads more. <laughs> I, I I bet you do. Tell me this on a on a, on a slightly more serious note. Um, you you mentioned this that that obviously through your sketches you do get um, you know online abuse well you know and mm. trolling or call it what you want and I say yeah. on a more serious note you're a human being tag you know you're 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 a comedian and I'm assuming you you try to look at the the funny things in life because it comes in handy for work um, you know if nothing else but you know you're a human being and does some of this nastiness. How do you cope with it? Um, I'm definitely not making myself out to be like a, a spiritual guru or in a state of Zen all the time, whatever. But like I, I, as I think I was telling earlier, I, I had a serious drink problem and I, I'm off the drink, I'd say, you know, about getting on for about six years now. And I've done an awful lot of meditation in that time and stuff. Um, banging on about meditation again, transcendental meditation. But, uh, but it, it has definitely helped me to kind of keep uh, centered. So I don't get it right all the time, but I'm aware that the comments coming in uh, calling me a genius are ludicrous, and the comments coming in threatening to burn my house down are also ludicrous. Yeah. Um, 
the thing that would upset I wouldn't say it upset me it kind of annoys me more like if there, there was a few loyalist uh, trolls I would say you now as well it's important to mention this there were not that many mm-hmm. there really were not like I had so many comments from people from a unionist background saying that they enjoyed the sketches um, the most negative comments I tend to get are from people in the south of Ireland oh, okay. believe it or not they're the most they're the most because there is an there is an element of people in the south not all but there's an element of people in the south um, that don't want these areas talked about. There's a real strong antipathy to Sinn Féin in the south from some quarters. I would say close to hatred. When I when I came when I kind of emerged as a comic uh, to them, where I've been around for a comic for years, but they've only heard of me in the last couple of months, like which is kind of fair enough. And they kind of feel that that I might, might be a shinner. Um, then the, the kind of negative comments kind of start coming thick and fast. Then. Mm-hmm. from from people in the south so that, that it would annoy me a little bit that like i've said I've re- i'm repeating myself now but like if you're getting messages of encouragement from people in britain about taking the piss out of the brits and you're getting people in ireland saying what are you doing would you leave this topic alone uh, do you know what what cracks me up actually i regularly get comments from i've got two or three kind of key trolls of lads in the south and um, one's a big monster fan and the other's a big uh, is a big loonster fan okay. um and I don't know what the other guy's up to. The other guy's a sailor, I think. But they often say to me, would you ever just leave politics alone and stick to the comedy? And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, all my comedy is political. So, yeah. like, you know, unless these guys are going to write me apolitical sketches, I, I don't know what I could do. Like, you you know? should put them on the payroll, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, I would assume their sketches would be terrible. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, who knows? But yeah, so so look, to answer your question, I'm a big boy. I know that I'm going into slightly difficult areas. I'm no shrinking violet. Sometimes when there's an awful lot of messages that are like either threatening or ad hominem attacks, because I always stay away from mocking the person. I can sometimes challenge people on their ideas, but yeah. often people will just mock me. I suppose if you're getting a lot of them, it can you can be a bit like, oh God, but it doesn't for a moment make me want to stop. In fact, it only emboldens me, really. Well, they say all um, all, all publicity is good publicity, so there you go. Well, this is it. And, and when all these rows are going on in, online, like uh, there was an unnamed member from the loyalist community who I won't, who I won't mention in case there's any issue, but we had a bit of a tete and tete uh, one day and uh, I turned around and I, I think I was after getting about 500 followers in about an hour. So I was kind of thinking, well, this is this is well worth my time now, actually, like these little roads, you know. An hour well spent. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but having said all that, and I know, and I'm definitely repeating myself at this, at, at this stage now, but uh, again, so many messages from support, or sorry, messages of support from, from unionists, and I would love to, to, to maybe uh, have an opportunity to speak to those people down the line, you know, and if, geez, if you can help me to make that happen, it would be amazing. I- yeah, yeah, no, no, great, absolutely, we certainly will. Right, um, you mentioned, I think you mentioned there, but um, you and I had a brief conversation before we hit the record button here, yeah. and um, through that conversation, you, it came up that you are... Um, are recovering? Is this the right words that I'm using? Recovering yeah. uh, alcoholic? Perfect. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, some people say recovered and some people say recovering. There's yeah. kind of like a little, little thing in recovery circles. But I like the term recovering because it makes makes me feel like it's just in the day. Yes. It takes the pressure off me as well. And but, how, uh, yeah, how, how long are you in the, the program, the process tag? Yeah. Um, so uh, coming up in May now, it'll be six years. Very good. Yeah. Um, and I would have been in and out of recovery programs before that as well. I realized that I had a kind of a serious drink problem, I'd say, when I was probably about 18. Okay. Um, but I just didn't stop for, for years, you know, so there'd be a little bit of alcoholism in my family. And um, But yeah, stopping, stopping at the start was tricky and I wouldn't, under, like, yeah, it's undersell how difficult it is at the start, but certainly it's, the, it's by far and away the best thing that I ever did in my life and none of this comedy stuff like would be happening certainly nothing in cahoots would have happened and none of my own sketches would be happening because my drinking was characterized by kind of by kind of half-heartedness really like everything was everything i was doing was on a half-hearted level and when i stopped drinking and more importantly got a got a program i suppose of you know actually you know looking at myself and kind of trying to change everything everything changed for me then like the focus improved and but most importantly i stopped treating people like shit and Interesting. i treat people with respect these days yeah Tag, tag you, you said that you're, you're uh, I'm using all the wrong words here, so forgive me, but you're, no, you're, you're clean six years 
approximately. Yeah. What what was it six years ago? Can you identify what it was that made you say, right, this is the moment? Yeah, there was actually there was a moment I was I'd been struggling with alcohol on and off, as I say, like my whole my whole adult life really. Um I was in London with the girl I was seeing at the time and I was just coming around after another binge. I'd been drinking for three or four days and my head just completely went. Like my mental health would have been struggling for a long time afterwards, but I, I just felt like I was in this kind of near constant state of panic. Um and I just couldn't I just couldn't look at another drink. Like I was sitting on the side of the road, I think I'd lost my wallet, I'd lost my phone, I didn't know if I had the money to get home to Cork. Um, I don't know what was happening with the girl I was seeing at the time and I had a can of Stella in my hand and I somehow got through the next couple of days but my head was completely gone like I would, I would have been close enough to, to suicide or really without being melodramatic about it that's just the way I felt and I came back to Cork and I stopped drinking and I was just, like you, you're kind of worse after you stop you know what I mean you're much much worse this is another thing that's kind of a common misconception that you stop drinking suddenly you kind of just get on with your life like I was in a state of, of cruel anxiety and depression for like a couple of months, I'd say afterwards. But um, I just basically just did the things that people were telling me for years. I started hanging around with people that had good recovery. I started doing a type of meditation. But most importantly, I stopped blaming. I stopped kind of like, you know, giving myself excuses and stopped blaming other people and started to, to look at myself basically. Um, yeah, and that was the summer of 2015. I just felt like I couldn't I couldn't work. I had really good opportunities with RT at the time. I couldn't finish what I was doing. I was barely allowed to see my daughter. I was close to homeless in Cork. And I felt like I had a lot of potential when I was younger and that people around me were thinking that I was going to do well. I had done quite well in college. And I had, as I said, these good opportunities in, in RT. And I just finally realized, you know what? It's either drinking or it's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to have to stop drinking because I, I want I want life like I want to be alive and I, there couldn't be more there couldn't be a more dramatic turnaround like I'm just a completely different person today thank God. Mm-hmm. And Tag, is there for the benefit again of anyone listening to this that that you know may want to be signposted? Is there any organisations that you have experienced or any people that don't mind you giving out their names or details? Who would you guide someone towards? Well, in terms of the recovery programs, I, I, if people would get on to me directly, I'll do it directly, if that's okay. So they can get on to me on Twitter, or they can actually see my, their, my email address as well as on my Twitter, and I'm an open invitation for people, well, particularly about recovery, where people are constantly getting on to me to threaten to beat me up and stuff anyway, yeah. and to give me sketch ideas that I didn't ask for. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but especially when it comes to recovery, like I've done a good few interviews in Cork and stuff, and people know that they can contact me. So with regard to kind of recovery groups or anything like that, um, I just will have to do that privately and I'm, like obviously you know you'll understand that yes, of but course. other than that there's a meditation uh, the meditation I do is called Transcendental Meditation and there's a website for that which is transcendentalmeditation.org there's an Irish one I know there's Cork teachers of it that was a huge game changer for me Like, so I had to stop drinking but I also had to get my mind to calm down and just transcendental transcendental is the one that i went for but some form of meditation practice for and, me for people coming out of and tell drugs. me this type, uh, this tra- transcendental meditation yeah. um, you you say there's a cork one will there be subtitles for people as well <laughs> <laughs> well i've now i've now got a russian pal as well so i can do russian i can do russian Sometimes I did Russian sometimes in my last sketch and I think I'm just going to keep them off now because I'm mad to get in with the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> and look, man, if you if you think I can understand you, you know, anywhere near as well as you can understand me, you're quite mistaken. <laughs> Wait, what's wrong? With, what's wrong with the County Tyrone accent? <laughs> oh, sure look. Sure look. And I, I think they actually do, they actually dovetail quite nice together. The two tips of the country, like. True, true, true. Tag, um, before we go off the subject of, I suppose, recovery, um, yeah. funny enough, we, we just recently d- done a podcast with Declan McLaughlin, um, a singer-songwriter from Derry City. Declan oh. works in a male addiction centre. Um, it's called The the Wells. I, I'm, I'm not giving it this full title. The full title eludes me at the minute, but basically um, they kind of deal with homeless people 
And um, what they do is they bring them in and they have 24 beds. And it's kind of like, um, you know, you have no set time. With a lot of addictions, you need to be clean before somebody will take you into the program. But they actually come at it from a slightly different approach. They, what they would do is they would monitor the drink for the person and try and teach them a way how to drink responsibly because they're coming at it from, I suppose, a very low point of living on the streets and it's little by little by little and building them up in order that they can function, I suppose, as adults, you know. So um, it's, 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 it's um, I don't know, I was going to say it's a fascinating subject, but obviously that's, that's very, that's, that's not the right way I should describe it, but it's, it's no, something. No, it is though, I get, I get what you're saying though, yeah, and like that approach is, I mean, for somebody who's at ground zero like that, there, you I mean, you just can't stop straight away anyway, you yeah. know what I mean, it's a process, it's unsafe, like somebody could pass away from yes. delirium tremens if they, if they were told to stop straight away, yeah. that's why there's, there's an easy, there's an easy avenue when you first see somebody in addiction like that. It's just like, oh, just stop. Or, but like, there, there, there has to be a holistic approach. Like, where's yes. the person going to find work? Where are they going to have a bit of love and compassion and that's a roof right. over their head? That's right. But, um, but yeah, that, sound, that sounds amazing, man. I must, I must definitely check that out. Um, and, and ultimately, I hope like the person is, is given the, the foundation to, to stop eventually completely. Yes. Because um, that's the only avenue. Because I was trying to regulate my drinking for years as well. Like I had this illusion that someday I was going to be able to just have four or five pints and then go home. And um, but sadly, like it just it was something that I could just never do in the end. You know. Yeah. Um, tell me this. Moving back on to a slightly more your um, your field, shall I say? Um, what would you like written on your headstone whenever this day comes? <laughs> Nice. I like that. Um, well, something about having a laugh anyway. Yes. You just had a laugh. Uh, in fairness to me, just had a laugh. Fair play to me, just had a laugh. You can't deny he had a laugh. Something like that. Something like that. Or, or possibly all three. Okay. What, 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 are you, what do you think, uh, apart from comedy, obviously, what do you think you're good at and what do you think you're bad at? Whoa. Jeez, now that's, that's, that's a tough one. I think I'm good. You're, 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 you're relatively... just too modest. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm relatively good at um, finding humour in difficult situations, both in my own life and in hopefully the world. And I feel like I go into situations with an, a, you know, a decent bit of warmth and honesty. So I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at hopefully bringing people together. Um, I'd like to think. Tell me one of your weaknesses. What am I bad at? <laughs> Apart from comedy, obviously. <laughs> that's that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. Um, I'm 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 like there's there's loads. Like I feel like I'm only good at comedy, and then like brutal at everything else. Everything. Like, I'm else. practically I'm practically all over. Like I'm a terrible practical man, so I sometimes feel like I failed. Both, well, definitely, definitely as a man, but maybe as a human being, like I find it very hard to make my bed. Um, I burn things around the house a lot. I look at kind of the older generation, kind of like fixing things. Uh, like my buddy's dad is just like so knacky. Like the man is deep in his sixties now, and he's just like fixing stuff like that. And I, I find myself, you know, texting him like if I've got a problem with a plug or. So yeah, I feel like look, as you can see, like I have little, little kind of spindly hands. So I'm bad at basically being a practically useful human being. Okay. But just before we move off this, you can change a light bulb and change a plug, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, you, well, you clearly can, anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you, that's why. <laughs> who, who inspires you? Oh, um, well, when I was growing up, I or even, I suppose, into college, like stuff like Monty Python, really well-written, surreal comedy. A lot of my favourite com comedy is, is UK-based, I'd say. Um, I'd be, uh, like, I'd, be, I'd have to be fairly open that someone like Jerry Adams would have inspired me as well when I was younger because I, I grew up in a, in a, as I say, a quite apolitical family. And there was a particular interview with Jerry Adams on The Late Late Show in 94. That's Gay Byrne. Gay Byrne, yeah. And I think I watched it as a, as a little kid and I actually didn't understand the lived experience in the North from either community until that moment. 
So I felt that he actually articulated uh, what his lived experience was in the north. Um, and from there on, really, I suppose my my understanding of what was going up there was was definitely was aided by that or whatever. So yeah, I found I found the night that he was kind of ambushed <laughs> on the later. I just thought like, well, this guy is a very very capable, reasonable, trenchant, um, intelligent um, person and and leader. So Monty Python and Jerry Adams, an interesting combination. Tell me this: <laughs> do you do you do impressions? I don't do that many. I do one of uh, Washington correspondent Brian O'Donovan, okay. uh, which well, is was reasonably well known. I don't. Would, would your listeners be interested in that guy? Well, sure. Well, well, you'll hear under the comments if we are or aren't. But go on, give it a lash. <laughs> um. Uh, thank you, Niall. Brian O'Donovan back in Cork, sitting now also in darkness, as you're sitting in darkness, Niall. Will we ever get an electrician to sort things out? Brian O'Donovan, Zoom quiz in Cork. <laughs> so, uh, can, can I answer that question for you? No, you don't do impressions. <laughs> <laughs> Top crowd. Oh, Tough man, you're going to be destroyed for that comment. The, ti- the Tigers are going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a bit like you, I have a thick skin as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd say, I'd say you'd be able from right. <laughs> right, tell me this. If you were Taoiseach for one week, if you were Michelle O'Neill or Arlene Foster for one week, or if you were Boris Johnson for one week, what changes would you make to Ireland? Jesus. Wow. Am I all three of them separately, or am I all three of them at the same time? Yeah, well, well <laughs> no, <laughs> you you can you can be uh, Michael Martin for a week, you can be Arlene slash Michelle for a week, and you can be Boris for a week. Okay, well, I suppose to my own jurisdiction, I would if I was if I was Taoiseach for a week, I would try and do something about the disparity that there is here. Like, there's a real split in the south as well between what I would describe the haves and the have-nots. So I would go, I would make it my business to try and reach out to community groups in working class communities that feel like that they've been completely ignored by successive governments, certainly in my city and all over the country. Um, I would try and, and mend that, yeah, that, 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 that kind of war between two sides here. Um, if I was Boris Johnson, if I was Boris Johnson for a day, I would just call it like it is and, and admit what it was what everyone's thinking, which is that English nationalism wants to kind of go off and do its own thing and let the Scots go um, and encourage the burgeoning Welsh nationalism to, to <laughs> reach fruition as well and, and let the, the entire United Kingdom break up. Not out of malice, but I think it's, that's, that's the destiny. And if I was Michelle and Arlene, ooh, wow, that's the trickiest one. I suppose if I was them, I would encourage me, I would reach out to me mm-hmm. and invite me up to the north to interview the two of them. Uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. I am reliably ensured that both Arlene and Michelle are avid listeners of the Shared Ireland podcast. So, wow. so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you now to put your appeal directly to them. So, because they will be listening. Um, so, so go ahead. Um, um, sell yourself to them there, Tag. Okay. Well. To Michelle, I'd love to say that I would absolutely love to meet her. I'd love to speak with her. Um, I would love to speak to many Republicans in the North, and I have lots of friends there already. But I suppose I'm actually even more interested in speaking with people from a unionist or loyalist backgrounds to see what common ground we might have, what uh, visions of a shared island we might have, and same with the Ordoing Nile. And I could assure you that even though I do take the piss um, for a living, I would be doing it with an honest uh, and, and, and warm heart. Um, I am absolutely fascinated in Northern politics and have been since I was a kid. It's a total passion of mine. As I say, I feel very, I feel like almost ashamed of living in a, in a, in a jurisdiction that, has, that hasn't reached out enough in my opinion, and I would love to, to do some tiny little um, effort in building those bridges with my own comedy. Um, I could assure you that I would be doing it, as I say, honestly, and and also you could listen to any material before it would be put out anywhere. Well, there so you give, go. Give Tig a chance. Give Tig a chance. That's the new hashtag. Give Tig a chance. 
<laughs> we'll get you Trenton. Hi, I seen were you Trent were you Trenton number one or number two in Ireland this week, were you? Buddy, I've been number one in Ireland three or four weeks in a row. Honestly. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I was, yeah, I was. Hey, that, that, that is fascinating. It really is. Trending number one in Ireland for the past two or three weeks. Myself and Micheál Martin, two, two, two boys from Cork, one and two, we were, <laughs> I think, the last couple of weeks. Fighting for the number one spot. Yeah. Tell, tell me this. Um, I thought um, I would ask you this question. Now, uh, I'll admit it's a bit ridiculous, but, you know, you're kind of stumped at times. What do I ask a comedian? I, I was thinking the day while I was going about my work is um, I'm going to ask this man, what is your... What do you think the national food of Ireland is at the moment? Because it used to be traditionally spuds, cabbage, bacon, champ. What, what, with, the new, with the new multicultural society and people from all over the world we have now, thankfully, living among us. You know the way the national dish of England is now chicken tikka masala, I think. Um, so so what, what do you think um, is, describes the, the palate of the Irish person nowadays? Good question. I'd say it seems, there seems to be like kind of an Asian street food kind of vibe everywhere now. So mm. would we say maybe cow pad? Oh. Cow pad. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not too sure what that is, but I'll say okay and pretend that it's, I know. It's nothing, it's nothing rude and it's nothing, it's nothing offensive. Um, in, in the ramen I go to anyway, in the Asian street food I go to, it's a kind of a, it's a fried rice kind of effort, but oh, okay. I mean, it, I think, I think it could unite us all. Oh, very right. good. A food that can unite us. That sounds good. You know, tell me this, what is required in your humble opinion to create a truly shared Ireland? This is a question we ask everybody. Yeah, so I feel like those conversations, well, I know they're they're going on in the north. I feel like they should have been going on here a lot earlier. Um, there was a Clareburn Live recently, with, which actually talked about it formally for the for the first time that I've seen formally in the south, which just kind of blows my mind. But it, it's about reaching out, isn't it? Like I just echo some had and some of the stuff that I that you like heard you say yourself. Um, I think Colin Harvey, for instance, has articulated very well that it's it's about having conversations. It's not so much about going, it has to be at this exact time, it has to be in this exact way. It's having the conversations. And I I think I might have touched on this before. There's a there's a real there's there's not a, a very well thought out kind of mantra in the South, which is that we must reach out to unionists before there's any talk of of a border poll. That is, of course, absolutely true. That's definitely true. But at the risk of repeating myself, we really need to reach out to nationalists as well, because I find on Twitter, like a good portion of my followers are from the north and they're articulating to me that they feel that the south doesn't really understand them at all and that they maybe don't really understand the south that much. So whilst I think it's it's definitely useful to say we must reach out to unionists, I think the south really and quite urgently needs to reach out to, to nationalists. And not to keep hammering them with these kind of like poorly thought out cliches of, oh, I don't know, can we afford you or not? You know, to move away from the cliches and to start really, yeah, just just talking, just understanding. I mean, I feel like I've studied this area and listened to like numerous podcasts like yours and watched numerous YouTube videos and read lots of books. And I still don't feel like the lived experience of nationalists or unionists. So I need to get my ass up there and talk to people. And I think... I think dialogue, it's the route into the Good Friday Agreement and it's the route into any kind of a shared island is good, honest, sensible, rational dialogue with people who share the same beautiful island as you. Well, well, I think that's a sentiment that most rational people could, would certainly echo, Tag. I, I, I certainly agree with that. Funny enough, I'm just thinking, um, whenever we do hopefully come out of this lockdown and we return to... Uh, some sort of normality. The Shared Ireland team plan to do a series of public events. Um, I'm sure you could maybe kindly be a participant in one of them as one of our panellists. I think um, you would be a welcome addition to give people north and south a few words of wisdom. <laughs> I'll open the gates of Cork. Myself and me Hall will have the gates wide open for you. <laughs> Very good. Tag, listen, we're coming up to 52 minutes in here and I know you've got a, a prior engagement at nine o'clock, so I um, won't keep you. We ask these couple of next questions. Um, 
I was going to say on a more lighthearted note, but I feel as if this entire podcast has been that, which is quite unusual for for me. So um, if you could invite three guests, either a dead or alive, to your fictional dinner party, who would your three guests be and why? Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd say, without being too pretentious, I'd have to invite James Joyce. He'd okay. be probably my, my favourite writer. Um, and... <laughs> chaotic kind of drunk as well and fond of this kind of dinner party scene or whatever i find him very very entertaining very engaging i'd love to tell him about the ireland that the, the ireland that that he left as well what it, what it has become and get his opinions on it mm-hmm. uh whoa i'd probably invite jim morrison i'd say oh, <laughs> he's okay. another one of my childhood heroes yes okay <laughs> and let's see can, can, can i help you out here on your third yeah yeah uh, you will yeah. get you will get a, a blowback unless you invite a female. I'm just letting you throw that in there. So um. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for drawing my attention to that. All right, go on. Look, I'll go with Arlene Foster. <laughs> right, so okay. we have Jim Morrison, Arlene Foster, and James Joyce. Right, so that's definitely an unusual dinner party, and um, I, I always say this, but I genuinely mean it this time. It's one that I would like to get crush. Yes. <laughs> Okay, last question. <laughs> if you could be anyone for just one day, who would it be and why? Are they living or dead? Oh, it's entirely up to you. Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. If I could be somebody for just one day. Hmm. I've got, I know who you want to say. I'd go yeah. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson? I thought you were going to say Tommy Tiernan, a funny man. <laughs> Hello, Tag. Yeah, still there? actually, I wouldn't mind his... Do you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't mind his show. I wouldn't mind his show. Hi, yeah, isn't, that, isn't that a great show, isn't it? No, it is. It is all jokes aside, and yeah. it's a nice, it's a nice thing to finish on. I think someone like him actually, and I look obviously, I think I'd like to be part of it. But someone like him, I think, would be a real useful, prominent part of of all Ireland discussions mm-hmm. because, unlike some interviewers, you can see him and actually witness him listening. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes him so good. Mm-hmm. All comic. All good comics have that thing where they're actually studying what you're saying because mm-hmm. they're they need they need to do that to get material. That's right. But I think he does that so so well with a, with a show. Yeah, it's one of the best things on Irish television. A hundred percent. And I think I, I read somewhere recently that he actually trumped the Late Late Show in viewers, and the Late Late Show is supposed to yeah. be you know the flag the well, flagship of RTE. Like, well, that's the big one. I think people are really drawn to honesty, and there's a real honesty and integrity to, to what he's obviously his guests but the way that he's handling them as well it's very human what he's doing i mm. think and people want to see that people want us to see stuff that's real you know so yeah well, well, well just to let you as well like please have me on like well i was going to mention that just to let you know that tommy obviously listens to us on a weekly basis so um he'll hear your plea and you'll be invited on no yes! doubt <laughs> If I if I don't get one of the big three now of Arlene, Michelle, and and Tommy, like you're 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 dead to me. Okay, no problem. We'll 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 get our people to phone your people. <laughs> Tag, it's been an absolute pleasure, and um, I am too, way out of my comfort zone here. Uh, but you've been nothing but very kind to me. Um, I was actually dreading this because uh, you know i am i am the opposite of what you are and i'll freely admit that but um you you were really nice to me you you didn't take the piss out of me which i thought you were going to do um and, and so i really appreciate that not at all man it was absolute absolute pleasure and yeah. well done on what you do and i'm not just saying it it's a fantastic thing that you're doing i think i think what you're doing are the first crucial steps to what will hopefully be um, a shared Ireland and I, th- I think you're playing a really important role and I know you're not here for the praise but you really are and I enjoy I really enjoy listening to your stuff well thank you very much for that and I think um, not to just um, I suppose in, in any shared Ireland we also need a lot of what you're doing and that's laughing so and I, th- I think I think that's one common thing that regardless of what any of us I uh, think politically, we all can agree on. We need a good laugh every now and then. And um, yeah. you, you certainly have brought that into all our lives. And um, so thank you on behalf of, of all our listeners for that and continue uh, with, uh, with the inspirational sketches. 
And um, yeah, so we'll maybe have Thanks. you back on um, in six months or a year. And um, Absolutely. That, that's if you're not booked up at that stage during, you know, Sky One and Netflix and Hollywood films and stuff, of course. BBC, like? <laughs> the BBC. No, I, th- I think we're clear the BBC will never have you back on. <laughs> <laughs> tag my 15 minutes of fame yeah exactly <laughs> thanks buddy tag thank you for um the conversation and folks i hope you enjoyed listening if you did give us a wee like and a retweet and don't be afraid to uh, comment below and stay tuned we'll have another podcast around the corner for you soon take care bye-bye